Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. The ticket price was high, and the ticket location was so high that at one point during the program, oxygen masks dropped from the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz begins now. Hello, once again, it's Lou Katz welcoming you to the podcast that tries its best to keep you up on the ever-changing world of entertainment. And please, without any delay, let's welcome from Vulture and WTOP Radio, the beauty and the brains behind all of this, Jen Chaney. Chaney. Hello. (laughs) And also with us, by the way, as a footnote, our entertainment veteran and the guy who was first offered to throw out the first pitch of the Nationals opener, but turned it down, it's Arch Campbell. No, I I break for Anthony Fauci. He's gonna, he's throwing the ball out, and that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Is he doing it virtually or, or in person? No, I think he's going to do it in person. Really? Yeah. That's a hard... I, I hope <laughs> if anybody asked me to throw a ball out, I would uh, turn it down, because I don't think I could do it. So... <laughs> Well, here we are, and we're not here to talk about sports ability. We're here to talk about entertainment, and who better to check in with first than Jen Cheney for the latest answer to the question, what's new? Well, a lot is new since we last were on this podcast. In the past week or so, we saw the launch of yet another streaming service because we don't Mm. have enough of them. And this time it's Peacock. Have you checked this out yet, Arch? Well, the things I'm hearing about Peacock are not particularly complimentary. Yeah, what are you hearing? <laughs> I, you know, I just hear it's a lot of stuff that's just uh, okay and kind of uh, recycled. And I'm not hearing anything like, oh, you got to get Peacock so you can see this. Not like Disney. You have to have Disney to watch Hamilton. Right, right. Uh, Peacock, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have to have Peacock to watch every season of 30 Rock. Right, yeah, I mean, it's, well, one thing about it is that it's free. So if you did want to watch every season of 30 Rock, you wouldn't have to pay for it, but they will charge you if you want to get like a premium version. So if you want to watch their originals, for example, you would have to pay a fee. And so far, I don't think their originals justify that. I watched um, the first episode of their sort of marquee title at launch, which is uh, an adaptation of Brave New World. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily tell people to pay (laughs) for that. But we'll see what happens as they continue to roll things out. I've also heard it's a bit buggy. I haven't mm-hmm. spent enough time on it to to notice that. But I, but some people have just been having trouble getting things to load and 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 consistently load on the platform. So that may be because it's free. <laughs> we'll, it, we'll see. They were putting out a modern day version, kind of an update of Brave New World, an edgier Brave New World, kind of a sexier one. Yeah, that was the idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't all that sexy from what I saw. Sometimes the same old world is better. The world we're living in is uh, more horrifying than, than what I saw in that episode. Well, uh, what else is new? Um, so you mentioned Hamilton a couple minutes ago. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. 
people who are, are really into Hamilton and have watched it 50 times since it landed on Disney and are looking for something else to watch, there's a documentary about uh, Freestyle Love Supreme, which is the improvisational hip hop group that Lin-Manuel Miranda was in, that Chris Jackson, who um, plays George Washington in Hamilton, a number of people involved in that production. That was kind of their breeding ground for getting involved in, in theater. And so that's kind of a fun thing to watch on Hulu if um, if you're a big Hamilton fan and you've kind of uh, done the Hamilton thing and want something else to take a look at. You know, I was really looking forward to End the Heights this summer. Which, yeah. Uh, uh, and they were going to uh, release Hamilton next summer and they switched the releases. And, and I'm still looking forward to it. So anything he's doing uh, music-wise, I'd like to see. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming out about John Lewis. I was really uh, impressed with the uh, the editorial content the day of his uh, death. And uh, uh, one of those things is uh, a, an extraordinary documentary on his life. Yeah, uh, that came out a couple of weeks ago and it's available on demand. I've seen it. And if you want to get a better sense of who he was, what he stood for, that is a great thing to watch. And certainly a great thing to watch even with with uh, your kids if you want them to understand who John Lewis was. So that's, that's another thing that I recommend recommend uh if, if this is on all person. platforms or was yeah. it a netflix doc no you can you can get it on on you know google play amazon yeah. pretty much any yeah. platform and uh the emmy nominations we're getting close toward and uh first of all you know award season this year just seems uh diminished what's mm-hmm. what are your thoughts yeah i mean it's it's hard for people to campaign for Emmys because they can't do the normal events, but it also seems, you know, not that important right now <laughs> for yeah, lack of a better way yeah. of putting it. But yeah, the nominations are going to be announced on the 28th. Um, and I'm really interested to see how that shakes out because, you know, every time award nominations are, are announced, you're always looking to see, did they honor a more diverse slate this time? Mm-hmm. What's this going to look like? And, um, you know, th- these are the first sort of major awards that are being announced since not only the pandemic, but also all the racial unrest and, and the protests and, and really calls to action that have been going on in the country. And I'm really curious to see how, if at all, it affects what the Emmy voters nominate. I would direct uh, everybody listening to this podcast to uh, one of your articles on Vulture on uh, the best TV so far this year and uh, uh, read that. And then what what who are you betting on for the Emmys? I mean, I think, for example, in the drama category, we're going to see a nomination for Succession. I, I think we're going to see a lot of shows that have previously been nominated getting nominated again. What I'm wondering about is a show like Insecure, um, Issa Rae's show on, mm-hmm. on HBO, which had a terrific um, fourth season. Uh, I wonder if that will get nominated for comedy or if she'll get nominated for, for Best Actress. But I think one of the most interesting races is going to be limited series because there's yeah. so much good stuff um, in that category. You know, you've got the plot against America. You've got Unbelievable. You've got Watchmen, which I am betting. Mrs. America? Uh, Would Mrs. Mrs. America, America be against Watchmen? Uh-huh. And wow. Unbelievable and Plot Against America. Uh, oh, my goodness. Little Fires Everywhere, potentially. Just uh-huh. I, I, I'm predicting Watchmen is going to yeah. get nominated quite a bit and win quite a bit, but, um, but that's a very 
very competitive genre for sure. Mm, wow. So, well, it's July 28th, the nominations. And then uh, when do, uh, when are the Emmys scheduled for? Later in September? They're in September, yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's a great question because as of now, uh -huh. you know, Jimmy Kimmel is supposed to host them. Mm. How is this going to happen? <laughs> is this going to happen as they <laughs> planned? It's very unclear. Now, since we last talked, uh, Tenant has been delayed again. Mm -hmm. And what are your thoughts on motion pictures, theatrical releases? I don't know if I see people coming back to movie theaters, but what are your thoughts on these this latest delay? Well, it's interesting. I was hearing some talk on Twitter that, you know, they keep they keep moving the date back. And at a certain point, mm -hmm. you're just like, you know what, just delay it and stop giving yeah. it a new date. Yeah. But apparently, I guess one of the reasons maybe why is that there's some concern that if they delay it to next year, that to your point, there won't be theaters to to uh, show it in anymore, which I can't wrap my head around that yet. No, no. <laughs> um, you know, I still think people love to go to the movies and that they'll want to go back when it's time. But it's just a question of whether the, the theaters will, you know, survive to be able to allow that to happen. Well, I mean, what I'm where I'm coming from is I am wondering if people are forming new habits and that we're forgetting the old habit. You and I and and our friends used to go to two or three screenings every week, and that was part of our of our of the rhythm of our life. You know, we'd go to Mazza, or we'd go downtown, and we'd see a movie two or three times. And now I'm I'm doing other things with my time and and. I'm trying to uh, figure out if I could change my habit back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is that, you know, a, a lot of younger people, they never had uh -huh. the habit in the first place. Like they watch right. everything on the go or at home and maybe don't go to theaters as much or don't don't have that foundation laid in the same way that some of the rest of us do. So it's it's a great question. I hope there will still be theaters to, to go to when when we sort this out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. would want to go back eventually if if everybody can get their act together so that it's safe. I'm watching your show, Perry Mason, which is eight episodes. And I think, are we in episode five of Perry Mason? That sounds five right. I watched six. it all at once. So <laughs> your guess is better than mine at this point. Well, here's the first question I want to ask you about Perry Mason, because a friend of mine said, I was telling him I'm watching it and I, and I like it. It's not, it's not great, but it's good. And it might be a continuing series. And my friend said, now nah, I'm going to wait till it's over so I can download them all at once and binge them. And so my question is, is it old fashioned of HBO to uh, release these shows uh, one week at a time? Is that old style now? Are we past that, talking about making new habits? I mean, in some ways it is old style, but mm -hmm. I think in a lot of ways it's it's more effective to do it that way in terms of maybe not for Perry Mason, but for for building a sense of cultural buzz. I mean, I think if, if for example, Game of Thrones had been something that always dropped all at once, we wouldn't have been talking about it for months and months yeah. on end because there was a sense of anticipation. I, I think sometimes when shows get dropped all at once like that, they, they 
land and then they're a blip and then they're gone. But when something mm-hmm. is anticipated week after week, and you know, some of the other streaming services do it that way too. It's not just HBO. Uh, I think it does allow something to kind of hang around in the culture a little bit longer. So I, I think there's still a value to releasing a show that way. Yeah, now uh, just speaking and listening to you, uh, it occurs to me that uh, Hulu uh, dropped not all, but some of uh, Mrs. America at once. And then you had to wait week after week, which, and it was a show I anticipated uh, the new episodes of. A show I, I am continuing with I'll Be Gone in the Dark which yeah. is the uh, documentary on Michelle McNamara, the late wife of Patton Oswalt, and her investigation of uh, a terrible serial rapist murderer in California, the East Side uh, uh, killer uh, in the uh, 70s. I-, I would not be able to watch that all at once. <laughs> yeah. Watching that an hour at a time is very helpful because it's so dark and and it's a difficult watch, but I am finding it extremely creative. And I'm fine. It's more than just trying to capture a serial rapist killer. It's uh, sort of a tribute to a woman's uh, passion. And it's uh, Patton Oswalt's eulogy for his wife. And he has a hand in producing it. And I think he's extremely creative. And this comes across to me as sort of a reality horror film. And the images he uses, particularly from uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon, are uh, very effective and very creepy. And I can only take about one of these in at once. It's this is a tough watch, but I'm I'm going on your recommendation. I mean, I think it's an extraordinary series for the reasons that you mentioned. Liz Garbus uh, directed some of the episodes and sort of oversaw that kind of visual aesthetic that you're talking about. Mm. And I think she did an extraordinary job. But I I also think it's, it's an interrogation of why we are so interested in true crime because Michelle McNamara became really obsessed with this case because she was writing about it and she was writing a book and it, in some ways it it kind of like took over her mental energy. And I think that, um, you know, a, a lot of people, have that response to true crime and and it's it's interesting to to see a true crime show kind of raise those questions while it's also doing what a true crime show does which is investigating an actual series of of murders did you watch the keepers do you remember the keepers i do i I, I did not watch that one uh, that keeps coming to mind because it's uh, colleagues of a nun who was killed in Baltimore in the 70s who um, continued to uh, look into her death for 30 or 40 years uh, afterwards. And uh, and both of them are uh, similar. And, and I would say both of them are among the, uh, the great true crime uh, documentaries. So I'm watching that. I do, Perry Mason the other night, Hamilton Berger showed up. I love these cues that that the new series, the origins uh, story of Perry Mason. Suddenly you get these characters that you remember from the TV show. Hamilton Berger was the assistant DA that Perry was always uh, wiping the floor with on TV. (laughs) Plus Della Street, 
and uh, Paul Drake, and I, you know, and and you know, I love the little echoes of the of the old line fifties uh, TV on that. So I'm uh, I'm kind of liking that. I'm stuck on a French village. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope you never start it because like me, then you will have no other life than to watch <laughs> it. And I just got through season five, which is 1944 and the liberation of France and and the payback and the mobs of people uh, killing um, collaborators. And it's all in French. And, you know, now at night I say, oh, l'orange, l'orange for dessert. Mon chéri, Gina and I are speaking French to each other. The fifth season is extraordinary because uh, France is liberated, the Germans are run out, the collaborators are often uh, taken care of by mob rule, and there is a sense of no sense of right or wrong in that war. And the whole thing ends with uh, a stirring performance of Le Marcier that's as good as the one in Casablanca. Wow. So if anybody gets, if you like history, I'm I'm still a fan of a French village. <laughs> but let's see. I finished up five seasons, 12 episodes a season. That's 60. And now I've, I've, I'm about four into um, 1945 when the characters are on trial. Some of the characters that uh, we've watched all the way through. And uh, I don't... <laughs> Maybe in two weeks, I might I might be finished with it. And then I don't know what I'm going to do. Guess what? There's a lot of TV. <laughs> There's a lot of other things to watch. But you, but I'm, I continue to worry, Jen, that the pipeline is going to dry up. What are they doing about that? Well, you know, one of the things they're doing is they're acquiring um, a lot of foreign shows, like Canadian shows, British shows, uh -huh. mm -hmm. and, and putting mm -hmm. them on our televisions. And I'm wondering, actually, if longer term, that's going to be what, what we're looking well, at more, is shows from, from elsewhere around the globe, because, you know, it's not safe to, to go into production here in the U.S. And Americans aren't allowed <laughs> into Canada or, or uh, Europe right now. No, no. Um, so, uh, you know, I know the CW has a Canadian show that they're putting on in, in August. And I've just been noticing a lot of, of British shows kind of popping up because that's that's one of the things they can do is, is acquire something that we haven't seen yet and put that on the air. Speaking of British shows, is anybody into Netflix and Dr. Foster? Are you all aware of that? that it's, a, it's a BBC One television drama and uh, I'm riveted by it. One of our family members turned us on to it. It's on Netflix, just something to... You know, as you're talking about different things to watch, and then the the British and European angle, that's one I suggest. Very, very good show. Well, what's the deal on Dr. Foster? What's the setup? It's a five-part series. It's about a doctor who suspects her husband is having an affair, and it's very, very well done. And it's just it's just two seasons, five episodes each season, and we're only on the uh, fourth, coming up on the fourth episode of the first season. But it's riveting television, and and I highly recommend it. Doctor Foster on oh. Netflix. Wow, uh, you know I had to subscribe to something called MHZ. Have you heard of them? MHZ. That's what a French village is on. Oh, okay. And uh, you know I followed it all over the spectrum. It's 
started on Amazon Prime, and then I found a few seasons on Hulu, and finally I had to subscribe to this MHC, and I think they're all foreign stuff, so uh, so maybe you're right, maybe that's where this is going. We love hearing the French language, and I never studied French or anything, but you know, it's part of the thing. So Lou, you're watching Dr. Foster. What else in the cat's world? Well, Arch, I will tell you, that one is pretty much taking up all of our time. And speaking of time, we're going to take a break right now here with the podcast. I want you to check out our latest World of Dogs feature from Faith Lapidus, part of our Hound Radio staff. Listen. Hound Radio welcomes you to the weird and wacky world of dogs, a weekly look at what our canine friends are up to. One of the casualties of the coronavirus lockdown was dog training. But never fear, just as office meetings continued on Zoom, training classes are being held online. And trainers say there are plenty of advantages for them, the dogs, and their owners. Being at home in a familiar environment without lots of other dogs around means each dog has an easier time focusing on what they're being taught. And owners don't have the distraction of trying to wrangle their dog away from the other pups in the class. Trainers can see everyone and give individual feedback. Also, if classes are recorded, owners can rewind or use slow-mo to watch a technique more closely or just review what was taught. While puppy classes are important for teaching basic obedience and online training can provide that, Virtual classes can't offer puppies the chance to practice positive play or provide interactions with lots of different people. However, there are other ways to give your pup those experiences, like sitting outside to watch the world go by or going on walks. There are lots of local trainers who offer virtual classes, so don't let the pandemic delay your dog's training. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. Jen, are you watching television for pleasure at all? I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just get a pile of stuff. This is new. This is new. Watch this. Watch this. Yep. Is there any secret uh, series you're uh, you're obsessed with? No, there are no I, secrets. No, I mean uh, this week I've been watching a lot of really silly game shows for a piece that I'm writing. Um, mm. But I don't know if I would recommend any of them necessarily. <laughs> game from back in the day or a new game show? No, new one, new ones. Oh well, because I was gonna ask you to give my best to Alan Ludden. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I, we need to mention Kelly Preston. I was uh, very sad to read that she died of breast cancer mm-hmm. uh, a few days ago at age 57. And I suppose Jerry Maguire is the uh, the career highlight for her. What are your thoughts? You know, I, I remember going to an event about like toxins and the danger of toxins in your house and how they can affect your children, which was something that Kelly Preston, you know, she was involved with. And it was her and Olivia Newton-John both talking about it. And I remember her talking and just getting really um, choked up and emotional about the issue. Uh, So for some reason that popped right back into my head when I heard that she had passed away. But yeah, I mean, Jerry Maguire was, is the first movie I think of when I think of her because she was such a fiery presence in that movie. Yeah. And in a lot of other movie of her other movies, she was, you know, kind of window dressing or 
later she was uh, a mom or a helpmate, but uh, Jerry Maguire, she was, and, and we must mention that she was married to uh, John Travolta for uh, a long time, 29 years, I think. Yeah. Um, which is something in uh, this day and age. And so having uh, bid her uh, farewell, Jen, let's play What's Your... <laughs> What's your fill in the blank? <laughs> <laughs> so there was a, a piece that came out in Variety earlier this week about cable television and, and whether cable television uh, will survive um, since we've been talking about that. And there was a sidebar to it about uh, 100 movies that saved cable because mm -hmm. a lot of these films that you've seen 100 times, if you're flipping channels, you'll stop and you'll watch yeah. them. And, yeah. and so there's yeah. certain movies that get aired on you know AMC <laughs> or TNT or whatever mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And that still is, is a, a boon for those channels. So I'm curious, what is the movie or, or, or a couple movies that if you're flipping channels and you're like, oh, I, I'm going to stop and watch this? To me, the cable movie that, that hit its stride because of cable is uh, Shawshank Redemption. You see it all the time and whenever I see it. But the other one, uh, and this happened to me, Field of Dreams was on. And I said, ah, I, I remember this. I'll watch one scene. And I think I stayed up until 2 a.m. watching the whole <laughs> thing. How about you? I will always stop and watch Moonstruck at any point if, uh -huh. if it's on and I happen upon it. It's one of my favorites and I never, ever get tired of it. But I, I think my my cable movie that I always stop and watch that I really, I like more now because of it is actually Jerry Maguire. Um, really? The first time I saw it, I just, and I still don't totally buy into the love story aspect of it. I liked the mm -hmm. sports part of it more, but it's such a well-written movie and Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger are still great. And so is Cuba Gooding Jr. and, and, uh, uh, Regina King, like the, the, it's just such a great cast that I often get sucked into that movie if I'm just flipping channels. Well, Louie, what, what's your favorite cable movie? Well, I don't know if it's actually considered a cable movie, but it's a movie that I would stop dead in my tracks with whatever I'm doing and watch. And it's the 1974 drama Chinatown. Oh. Yeah. Now, is that is that easily found on cable? How would I do that if I wanted to go see it? Um, I uh, mean, Turner Classics, I think. And yeah. I've, I've downloaded a bunch of stuff from Turner Classics that I keep in reserve. Not that I've had to use it, but uh, Jen, pardon me. Oh, no. it's uh, Yeah, I think you'd have to um, find it streaming somewhere. I don't, I don't feel like that's a movie that is in like the super high rotation in the same way that some of these other movies are. Well, because they remake Chinatown every year, every time <laughs> you turn around. And really, Perry Mason is Chinatown. <laughs> I, and if I had a few minutes, I could probably think of 10 riffs on Chinatown, but it certainly was. And when that's another way of saying what an original it was yeah. when it came out. Uh, if you don't mind, I would like to end with a personal story today. Unless is there, have we covered everything? Is there, are there so. burning issues? No. Uh, last weekend, I uh, put my cell phone in my car and uh, I parked and I didn't want the sun to shine on it because you know that can fry a cell phone 
So I slid it in the console between my car. And when I came back, uh, you know, the console had a, had a sliding top on it and the phone had fallen into the cup holder. I know it was wedged in there and the top wouldn't come back all the way. I was reaching in there with my hands. And I couldn't get it out. Uh, Gina, she says, I got small hands. Let me try it. She goes, says she can't get it out. So I take it over to the dealer and he says, look, uh, come back next week. We have a guy and he can take apart your center console and get it out for you. And then he added, in the meantime, whatever you're thinking of doing, don't do it. <laughs> I just want to say that that is the best advice I've ever received. <laughs> so I'd like to leave everyone with these words. Whatever you're thinking of doing, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> so how do you live without your cell phone for days upon days? <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> you just you just wait for next week to come. They got it out and I got a phone again. So, well, it's gr always great talking with you, Jen, and talking with you, Lou. And Lou, have you got a way to wrap us up? I do. I, I wanted to uh, highlight Kelly Preston and her role in uh, Jerry Maguire and wrap that up with uh, the Bruce Springsteen song, Secret Garden. I thought we'd uh, play that and a little bit of Kelly doing her thing on screen. Jerry, there is a sensitivity thing that some people have. I don't have it. I don't cry at movies. I don't gush over babies. I don't start celebrating Christmas five months early. And I don't tell a man who just screwed up both our lives. Oh, poor baby. That's me, for better or worse. She'll let you in her house If you come knocking late at night She'll let you in her mouth If the Words you say are right If you pay the price She'll let you deep inside There's a secret garden she has She'll let you Go driving around. She'll let you into the parts of herself that'll bring you down. She'll let you in her heart if you got a hammer in a vice, but into the secret. Tenderness in the air 
This is the CATS Podcasting System.